Welcome back to another episode of the NES Experience. We hope everyone had a good Memorial Day. Uh, we wound up taking the Memorial Day kind of weekend Wednesday off, I guess. Uh, things happen. Uh, life gets in between the, the things that we have planned. So this episode, we're going to be talking about the do's and don'ts of summer break. Uh, if you're in high school, if you're in college, you get, you know, a nice little break in the summer where you don't have to go to school. I enjoyed that the most when I was in college and high school. Um, and if you're an athlete, you actually have to do a decent amount of work in the summertime so you can actually stay in shape, get better so you can play your sport when you return to college and actually a lot of work goes on and it's not just all fun and games. So since it is summer, we thought it'd be a timely episode to do, and uh, we're just going to kind of get right into it. So Ned, do's and, do- bleh, do's and do's, do's and don'ts of summer break. Uh, we know that people get sent home with college summer programs a lot of the time. You know, your coaches give you things you want to improve on, areas they want you to get stronger in. And uh, they kind of show up on your doorstep with a little little sheet sometimes and areas they want to improve in. So where do you get started in the summertime with your athletes? Uh, when we get a college athlete, one of the first things that we do is uh, take their college program and file it in the most important uh, storage for, you know, important documents, which would be the garbage can. Uh the reality of the situation is we, I will take them. I'll look over them. Um, but if you're trying to put yourself in the best position to improve your athleticism, your measurables and be better for your sport, the, the college training conditioning program is, is not what you want to use. And that's tough for, it's most tough for incoming freshmen because all they want to do is be super prepared and check all the boxes. Um, but the worst program that colleges write is actually the one going into your freshman year. Um, so, and I'm going to go over all the ins and outs a little bit later. But um, you have your college training conditioning packet or program because. The strength and conditioning coaches want to check a box, so it's not their fault if you don't come in prepared because they gave you a very template-y, um, non-specific program for you to do, and uh, it's off their. It's not their fault uh, once they send you that packet. Um, college coaches. They're, they're terrified of their, their athletes going home in the summer and not training and not working hard and not doing anything. So if it was up to colleges, which is why you see the 1A schools, you know, especially with football, these guys are now home for three weeks um, as opposed to really they should be home, you know, probably eight weeks. So 10 years ago, athletes were getting a D1 football player was getting almost 10 weeks at home. And in 2023, they're getting three to four weeks home. And that's because the college coaches say that they, the kids go home and do shit. And then they come back and they look like shit. And I said, well, what about all of the hardworking athletes 
And he said they go by percentages and most of the athletes that when they come back, they're, they're performing worse than before they left. So uh, the college training program is their way of a not being it, not having it be their fault if they aren't ready and be some sort of, I mean, you know, general plan to help them maintain or minimize the amount of losses with what they have happened. So the incoming freshmen, they think it's basically the Bible and, you know, they're terrified when I'd be like, all right, so we're not going to do this. Um, but the end result is the things that we do, or if you go to a professional trainer, uh, it's ways to be more specific and get better results than what they give you. So. Yeah, I, I always think it's kind of funny that being the biggest fear, you know, you're going to go home and you're going to do nothing. Uh, a lot of the times, too, I just kind of feel like if you're not performing well in the college strength, you know, workouts and stuff, maybe it's because the, the workouts you're doing or the way they're structured, they're not beneficial to, to you performing well. 100%. But, 100%. Yeah. Um, but is there anything that you usually do or like sub out in college, you know, strength workouts when they, you kind of get a packet sent home? Cause it's not like you have a coach, you know, that goes with them to, to show them how to do any of the workouts or the exercises either, especially that first freshman year. So, you know, first I want to kind of d- dissect what they're giving you. So, and what they're giving you is a general template. And as an incoming freshman, that you don't know anything. So they have to create exercises either that you can Google on YouTube, things that you, you've already done, like back squat. There's a good chance that in your life you've done back squatting. But, you know, a high-level arm care program, you know, to help somebody throw harder, they can't put all that Chinese into a packet. So what you get is a general template Uh, unfortunately, most of the universities, one strength coach will be in charge of writing 15 programs and who wants to write 15 different programs when you can write one program to use for 15 different sports. So what you're getting a lot of times is, you know, they change the, the sport on the template. Um, but you're basically getting the same thing because the reality of it is, when every, every sport that comes back, they're at a different period of time in their annual plan and their goals should be different. So a football player has to have maximal strength by and maximal power by August 15th, whereas a basketball player, once they come back in September, they are still in their off-season program. So um, the general template is not what's best for you. Um, so another thing with the, the general template, it is general, which means you're they're going to use linear periodization. And when you come in, hopefully you go to a school that at least uses some sort of periodization or plan program design, but they don't look at your specific need. Some people have to spend more time in the summer with strength to improve their strength. Some of them have to spend more time in hypertrophy to increase size. Um, some of them have to do different exercises because their biggest uh, downfall is speed. And then 
when you look at the human body and imbalances, that all varies by first sport and B within the sport, you have to look at, you know, the situation. So if you have ankle issues, knees, hips, none of the college workouts are designed specifically for what's going on with you to unlock your full, you know, genetic potential. So um, the general template is great if you've never picked up a weight, but is not good if you've trained at NES for five years and you need uh, you're on six years. Everybody gets results first year off season. It becomes harder and harder year after year to to and there's there's more time spent getting you know less results. I've had a guy, well, who's pitching Dicky, where one season he had to work for six months to gain five pounds. Whereas this past winter, uh, Q1 gained 35 pounds in four months. So because Dickie's on year eight and this kid's on year one and he's only, whatever, 16, 17 years old and, and we got a little bit of a hormone surge. So um, a general template isn't going to you know, uncover that. And the way that you program and write really depends on who you're working with. And what the, there's just there's not one program that works for everything, and there's not one program that even if it is sports specific, it's not individual specific. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, it does. Uh, and I'm I'm sure it makes sense to anyone who's gotten a, a program as well, because it definitely is not individually, you know, shaped for you. At, at the very least, it's you know they call you in and they say, oh, you know, we want you to get faster. We want you to put, you know, 10, 15 more pounds on your bench press. But yeah, it, it is a little funny too, because um, I came to you when I was in college. Um, the biggest gains that I actually had in in lifting throughout my college career was when I started working out with you. That's when I put, put maybe 25, 35 pounds on, on all of my lifts and people. And, you know, the strength coach was like, oh, wow, look at this. But it wasn't him, you know, a lot of it was, was just doing the workouts that, you know, we did together. So, yeah. So it's just, they use basic movements. So as I said, if you've never picked up a weight before, you're going to get a response. If you are well-trained, you're not. And they're trying to show you part of the reason this exercise selection is picked is to prepare you for what's coming. So the what I ask athletes when they're coming in, the only thing I care about is tell me what your main lifts are that you're going to have to do, which means if you're going to have to back squat, I generally have to at least teach the athlete because we don't squat that much. It all depends on sport and individual. So if they have to squat, then at least I want them to learn the right way in here and we'll incorporate that of one, you know, one of the three lower body push days or so specific strength testing so that's important so when you come back some of them are going to do a bench test or a squat or whatever so i care about strength testing um but outside of that and conditioning tests those are the only two things so tell me what we got to do what hamster wheel we got to run in and tell me if we need to prepare you to not embarrass yourself with some of these you know basic testing lifts but other than that, we can kind of just chuck it. So um, the exercise selection is, it isn't going to help, and it's not specific. They use percentages. So right now, every year I have, I think we are going to end up having close to 30 college athletes 
I usually average 25 to 30 a summer, and those 25 to 30 athletes go to 20 different universities. So every year for 20 years, I have gotten, and sometimes I've had, back when I had a running a bigger operation, had staff, we would have 50 college kids come through. So you add that up, and I've seen, you know, 500, 600. I've seen a whole bunch of college running, and there's always a transfer over of, of general poo-poo. So another reason why they don't work is percentages. So what I was saying before, I have an athlete home and we were doing back squat and we had to squat because they do it, you know, there. And this athlete reaches all the necessary, you know, things to be able to safely back squat. So I'm down with it. And we get in and he's like, Oh, I could put in my, my percentage rep max calculator and it'll tell me exactly what to do. So we put it in the little calculator and it says that he should do 180 pounds for his for his back squat. Now, because I've been doing this forever, I'm like, ah, that's just wrong. So I'm like, let's start at 205 and we're going to do a window and then go up from there. So the end result is in working sets, he did 230 and that was a eight rep max, which, and it was sub-maximal. So his real eight rep max or seven rep max was 240, 250, not 190. So if we went in and used the percentage calculator, which is percentages that almost every college training conditioning program use, because they have to, because there's a hundred people and one person or two people or three people in there, and nobody knows their ass from their elbow, they have to do it because that's the scale that they're working at. But if I had this kid follow those rep max calculators, he would be doing 190 pounds, which is too low of a threshold to be able to elicit a response. And he would not get stronger because the the percentage calculator was off 40 pounds. So he would always be lifting submaximally with a whole bunch more in the tank. He could probably, he could probably took 190 for a ride 15, 20 times. So I've seen college strength coach and I don't want to go off on a rant, but I've handed over my athletes with a 450 squat and get them back. Not that it's all about squatting. And I get back 370 after four years. You have this kid for seven months and he squats less four years later. Damn, 23 years old, man strength. And he's, and if you look at all the measurables, his bench went down from like 320 to 270. And this kid was preparing for the combine. And because you guys couldn't even keep him where he was as a high school kid, it affected his testing results to try and go to the NFL because the 225 bench does. The kid could bench 225 for when he reported for high school for, I think, 11. And then he came back and he did 10. But if you guys could have just got him a little bit stronger he would have came back at 14 i test him and then he's going 19 and then in his category in class it's elite but because you guys couldn't even maintain four years six month clips you couldn't even keep them even and it's not being you're saying well Ned, it could be because the kid dogged it no he worked off you can't dog it in d1 football they'll run your ass out unless you're the star of the team and he wasn't the star of the team and he wasn't liked by the coach so um percentages i'm a big anti i could use percentages i could figure it out percentages are a guideline but you know i haven't seen this specific athlete 
the last time he consistently trained was last year to prepare for his freshman year. I haven't seen you for a year, and I and I did better than the percentage calculator. That's not good. I threw a dart just by knowing and processing what he did last year, and and ended up be able because I was able to see the the two hundred five, and then I was able to see the two twenty five. And you just, if you, I guess if you've been doing this for a while, you just know how to pick things and get shit right. So point being, that percentage rep calculator, uh, it doesn't work. But they have to do this because they don't know who's on the other end. Um, and then you also, with the, the standardized program, there's a risk of overtraining. So some of them, they deload, download, it's called a download. They call it a deload because they're lazy. Um, so most colleges work in like a download every fourth week. But the problem is they're doing too much in the three weeks that they're not downloading. And the download ends up being too short. And then they come back stale out of the download week five. And then their staleness runs into week six and the whole concept of peaking an athlete completely gets thrown off because they are not, they're doing too much volume for too long before they back off, which is why I stopped doing standard linear periodization because I was, my athlete's going to tell me when, you know, they're, when they're overtrained. And this also requires that in-person evaluation, asking questions, you know, how is your sleep being disrupted? Are you having a lack of desire to play in a sport? Uh, are your joints hurting more? Do you feel this? You look different. Like I watch these athletes every day and you know when they're having off days and you have to uncover or off weeks and you have to uncover these things before you get ex- excessively overtrained. So you're missing a human element, which is really important to improve your performance if you're trying to just go to a Planet Fitness and do the the college workout. Yeah, it, it's very important. I know I've told the story before, but a buddy of mine uh, actually partially tore his, his bicep and his pec doing a bench in, you know, in a college lift, uh, was overtrained. And it was just kind of, you know, not, uh, not being able to, to sense the mood state, sense that something was wrong, something was going on. Um, we were also doing uh, a very, like, you know, you say it was sub-maximal. I guess your max maximal, we'd put maybe 40, 50 pounds more than our max on the bench. And we'd go try and, you know, slowly go down. And then when we'd go down, hold it there for a sec, and then we'd have to get help pushing it back up because you wanted to use all of your your strength to to push the bar. Um, interesting concepts. It's like overloaded eccentrics. Yeah, that's a, a one big dumpster fire, and that is one of the best ways to tear a pack. And they they use techniques that you know, have its place, but they don't understand the time to do that. So whatever the hell you were doing, A, it's just not necessary. But doing um, eccentrics is something that can be used in a program, but you have to take them through an acclimation phase and then um, a base level one 
you know, time under tension, hypertrophy type block to prepare them for whatever the hell that you had to do. And no, everybody is just like, oh yeah, this is hypertrophy and we're going to do this. And when you throw somebody who's never done tempoed work and you have them do 120% of their one rep max for negatives, the end result is you tear a pack. And that guy should have been uh, sued for malpractice and lost his job. Uh, but I don't think that's what happened. Yeah, no, probably not. But uh, that kind of, you know, is crappy college strength and conditioning uh just things you gotta watch out for uh the difference between those summer programs and the summer programs at at nes uh are yours a little bit more custom to the individual custom to the sport well uh, if i'm going to talk all that shit about college strength and conditioning i guess i should probably justify why what we do or any good sports performance facility does but yes we're Everything is broken down to sport. The The harsh reality is if you watch our Instagram story and watch us train baseball players and then they're all in one group and you'll see a block of videos and then you'll see the football players come in and you'll see something very different. Um, every sport and, you know, we have women's basketball and women's basketball is does a different program some of it overlaps than men's basketball so even within the sport and the gender um you have a lot of these different breakdowns and then if you take it further than that each individual within so if you have a a girl's basketball you know basketball is doing a separate program you got a, su- a subcategory of a girl doing the program and then we have the personal need of what's going on with the girl and what do we what is our goal and what do we need to change so within the sport you you know we're focused on ankle knee and hip whereas with the baseball pitcher we're focused on scap rotator cuff and t-spine usually now we're breaking down so now we know that you know, as a basketball player, this is what we need to focus on. And then we have to dive into their injury history and what their imbalances are, and then zero that in even more to, to determine of the time that we have and the amount of total reps and exercises and types of things you're going to do. What are we going to prioritize um, as the most important to prepare you for that? So we're breaking it down to the sport within the sport gender, and then you know, within that into an individual to kind of take it all the way out. You know, something that's never brought up is flexibility and mobility. And for them, you know, depending on this, I mean, some people, I have an athlete that just walked in who's hypermobile. So hypermobile means that your joints can go through excessive range of motion, which gives you less stability. And then the exact opposite of that is the guy who can't pick his leg up more than two inches when he goes to sprint. So, you can't have a generalized template with everybody doing the same thing because having a hypermobile person to a, an excessive amount of stretching is going to give them less stability and increase a risk of injury. Um, so that's me going into a little bit nutritionally. I mean, it's the summer weight program packet isn't saying, hey, do you need to gain weight? Do this. Hey, you need to lose weight? Do that. They're like, why don't you eat some bananas? And like some whole grains. And if I am a weight if I am a weight gain person, 
uh, and I eat all of those foods, I'm not going to gain a pound. Well, what if my number one priority is I need to gain 20 pounds to look apart to be able to step onto the field in the fall and play as a freshman? You're not going to you're not going to get any results. So nutritionally and, you know, nobody's saying go to a professional, get a body comp. Nobody's having individual one on one meetings with what is the attack plan to get you nutritionally where you need to go. Um, once again, it's all just general. So, um, custom to sport, custom to individual is a big takeaway. Um, the next is movement. So when you hear strength and conditioning coach, they are supposed to improve your strength and get you in shape. So what they don't teach you is how to become faster. Now they're going to give you things in the program that says do box drill, X drill, L drill, uh, run, 10s, 20s, 30s, 60s, whatever. So what they're giving you is not something that's going to make you faster or more agile. It's something that's used to put you, get you in shape. So that's why we ask, what is the test? And the when you look at the packet of the conditioning, it's an excessive amount of conditioning. So we know that lifting is an anabolic type thing where we were trying to build and we know that conditioning is catabolic and it burns tissue but when you look at the program there's just as much time spent on the conditioning component as the strength and those two are working against each other so my thing is you start conditioning six weeks if you're a fall sport if you're not a fall sport and you're a winter sport i don't give a shit if you're out of shape they, you can go there and they're going to do bullshit with you. They're going to get you in shape. I don't want to use my precious time in the summer doing conditioning and counterbalancing, you know, what we're trying to do. So we teach movement and you should, if you, if getting faster is one of your things, you should go to a reputable, which is hard to find performance facility and that knows how to teach running mechanics. Uh, the running mechanics that I teach just, FYI, because I've become under fire recently by an unnamed person who doesn't like the the way that I teach athletes how to run. Um, and the way that I teach athletes how to run is not netology. Uh, I learned underneath Lauren Seagrave, who is an Olympic sprinting coach. And the things that I teach my athletes is how to run like Olympic sprinters. So not run like me. And this isn't some, you know, imaginary thing that I created. I learned from somebody really smart who teaches Olympic athletes how to run faster. And the base concept of what I do is if you watch my guys run 40s, what you'll see is they'll look the same as the guys that were running at the NFL Combine or that are running. I mean, they're at slower speeds because these are the fastest Olympians or the Olympic runners are the fastest on earth. But that's and and running just running sprints, it doesn't make you faster if you're at that level. By the time you're at the college level, your benefits of getting faster by running, just running in general, start in that middle school age and early high school. And then people get stuck because your base genetic code is tapped and you have not this is why you should specialize in sports after your whatever 14 15 you're going to get all those benefits of speed um earlier in development and yes in order to become faster you need to run but not the excessive amount of running that people do so if you want to improve your agility change of direction foot speed 
uh, burst, acceleration, top end speed, you have to, you know, most importantly, have a strength program that's strengthening those muscles that reinforces the way that you teach people how to run. So my strength program is integrated with my running running mechanics. If you just try and address running mechanics only, you're going to have minimal to no benefit because at the end of the day, what makes an athlete faster is being able to put force in the ground in a short amount of, a short amount of time through an optimal range of motion using the appropriate muscles uh, from your posterior chain and out. And if you, the, the strength isn't correlating with you know those things, if you're doing one rep maxes and lifting 100, you're not going to get faster doing a seven rep max 190 pound squat when you can do 240. Because maximal strength is what puts the force into the ground to lengthen your stride out. Do you follow me? I do. So, and we reinforce that with testing. So, when athletes come in, we body comp them. You know, there it's a, it's a case by case basis. I know that I say that all the time, but you've, you know, I have somebody that's in right now, and he's a tight end. He's in high school, not college, but he had to get heavy, and he got heavy the wrong way, and he got kind of fluffy. And his ticket to improving his speed that's more important than anything else is he's got to get the weight down. He's carrying too much. So we have to get the 10-pound plate off his back while we get him stronger single leg because single leg strength transfers over to speed better than anything. We have to get his posterior chain stronger to be able to put more force on the ground when he's in his top speed and acceleration. So there's all these that we have to get his mobility better because he's tight. One of the easiest ways to get faster is to address mobility needs, having the lack of mobility. If you can't get your leg up, you can't slam it back down to put hard forces into the ground to shoot yourself forward. If you're so tight and you can't pick your leg up, you're you're two inches from the ground. You're going to put more force being two feet from the ground or two inches from the ground. So we test guys as far as body comps. We do their vertical jump. Um, depending on the sport, we'll do 40 testing and it's real simple. I do, my Instagram is covered with before and afters. Um, so we kind of prove what we do. If you looked at some of the stuff that we did over the winter with the hand and hall guys, um, there's a lot that goes into it and, and being able to, you know, run small group training and have that individual one-on-one, that's all the things that you need to do to actually, you know, get better. So, um, but also it's, it's the ability and I didn't cover this, but a lot of times athletes come home in the summer and they're banged up. And the number one thing we need to do is get healthy and getting healthy doesn't always just involve laying around and letting time heal things. So first thing when an athlete comes in is, you know, we're doing all of these things and we're evaluating and we're testing, but we're saying, what's going on? My elbow hurts. We'll go to, go to Drew, go to a PT, get an MRI, figure it out because some of this stuff requires surgery. Uh, some of it requires physical therapy. Some of it doesn't require anything, but my job is to make sure if you want to get the best results in the summer, if we're working around, you know, groin pain or hamstring strains or whatever, um, we are limited on our upside of what we can do with you if you're not coming in healthy. Summer, the summer packet isn't going to go. Find me a summer college packet that says first thing to go home if you're not healthy and get your shit treated. It's not going to happen. So 
The only people that that should follow the college strength packet program are lazy people. That's my bold statement. Lazy people do the packet. Because I don't want you to train in my facility anyways. Because you're not going to make use of the time and, and get a result because you're lazy. So I do believe the, the college strength packet is great for lazy people. Yeah. It, well, it'll be interesting because if they're lazy, they probably won't even do the college strength packet. So that's a real catch-22 there. Uh, but other other than just kind of lazy people, I guess, uh, is there any, you know, just kind of benefits to the summertime in general to uh, to just trying to, like, gain weight or lose weight, anything like that? I'd imagine it's a bit of an easier time when I was – in college, I'd always come home and it's easy kind of as a weight loss guy to manage the food. I'd eat a lot of bison. I'd be able to make my own meals on the grill. It was kind of nice. Uh, bison is delightful. It's now like ridiculous. But in the day when it was like eight bucks a pound, six bucks a pound, I was buying bison steaks and ground bison all the time. But it's probably with Biden's inflation, $15 a pound. Ooh, not getting political, but there is a there is inflation going on i don't know if anybody noticed um summer is the best it's such a valuable time because when you are on campus and when you look at the loads and the demands of the sport with academics um and just your general situation i mean you know a lot of times you have to eat in diners and and dining halls are only open for a period of time and they limit how much food you can come in and you got to steal all the types of shit and put it in baggies. Uh, like my mom used to do at the buffets in the eighties. Like it's, it's, you know, like, Oh, I stole three apples, but they didn't want to risk taking the bananas. So when you're at home, yes, a lot of them have jobs and you have internships, but I mean, you're at your parents' house, you got unlimited food. They'll give you whatever they want. Typically, um, you have more time so summer is the best time. If you need to gain weight, your best opportunity to gain weight is going to be in the summer. If you need to lose weight, your best time is going to be the summer because you have more time. So it is a small window. Be prepared to not be developed in nine months in college. And then what's going on with my returning college athletes is we're working hard to get back to where we were just – we're not because they don't come the way that they should when they come back. We're spending half the summer getting them back to where they were. You know, it takes us six weeks to get them back to, to where they were last year. So we have not a lot of time to kind of push them further. And what you really can't do is take this precious time and not take advantage of it, which is why I'm screaming at all my college athletes right now because – you know, the weight gain guys, you know, in 12 weeks, you're supposed to gain whatever, 15 pounds. You can't come in on week two and, and, and plateau because you, you don't, you didn't gain anything in week two. Now that pound or two pounds has to be added to the next week. And it's this thing that if you aren't able to address it right out of the gate quick, you become behind and it's like, oh, I need to gain 12 pounds in the next four weeks. Well, the shit that you're going to put on is fat and fake weight. It has, you need a duration of time to be able to make the appropriate, or the fat guy is like, all right, I'm 290, I gotta get down to 270, I'm gonna starve myself for two weeks. Well, that's great, you're losing fake weight, and then you're gonna report to practice, and then you're gonna be, you know, 
290 by the end. But you're, there's no easier time if you're a big guy to lose weight than the summer because if you, you're more like, I mean, if you're working, you're doing an active job. You have the time to do three to four days a, you know, a week for conditioning. It should be easy to be locked in for nutrition because you have your parents' help and you can prepare on your own. And you're able to get you know, lifts in easier. You don't have 60-minute or 45-minute lifts that are crammed in two days a week because that's all that the schedule will allow you in the tiny-ass weight room. So you can get your three, four, 90-minute workouts in, your skill and your positional stuff. I mean, the summer is a gold mine. It should be. It's a gold mine of refining and and making your craft better. And it's a shame to watch all of the people not do anything. So, yeah, you really hate to see it. Um, so I think we're gonna go into the question of the week, and the question of the week is a pretty easy question. It's, do you like vacations, Ned? Um, I hate vacations. I am the biggest vacation party pooper that you'll ever meet. I, for the most part, belittle and scream and yell at all of my uh, athletes when they tell me they're taking a vacation. And what people don't understand is, you know, going on vacation for a week is not one week of, of training messed. If you have three months and you have you have 12 weeks to elicit a response and, and do a program, let's really break down what happens. And And the things that I am saying is my experiences every year every season high school and college of vacation first off all right ned i got a vacation june 17th all right june 10th ned man i'm excited i'm going on vacation I'm like great so just want to let you know you know you know i'm not gonna i have to prepare for vacation so i'm not gonna make it on on friday because that'll be my day preparing for wait you just took away 33 percent of my week um, so they, that week training week is interrupted. They're thinking about girls on the beach or what they're going to do. Um, their parents pro- maybe be working full-time jobs and it's like, Hey, Jimmy, go get me some toothpaste. I got to run errands. I got to get new outfits. I got to get this. I got to get that. So what you get is psychologically, they're not into that week. They're into preparing for their vacation so physically, they're not in-house, and when they are in-house, they're distracted. You know what that is? That's a fucking wasted week, all right? Now we have gone to week two, which is the actual vacation week. Um, week two is, and this all depends on who you are, but in general, I my elite guys plan it out and do everything they're supposed to do. I'm talking about your average slightly not as motivated person so all right if you're a big guy and you're going on vacation you're going on a cruise all they're doing is eating the house just smashing and destroying food if it's a college kid they're getting wasted if they're overweight and they're getting wasted they're gaining fat um after they get wasted then they got to eat because they're drunk and it's just a spirally, no, they're not doing their workouts or they'll be like, oh, I wanted to work out, but there was nothing for me to do. Um, so my weight gain guys become less active and they eat more and they drink more. And then the weight gain guys 
weight gain guys can't find shit. They come back all skinny and, oh, I lost two pounds. And then they look at the scale and they're like, oh, my God, how did that happen? And then it's like, you didn't eat anything, bro. So I don't know if all the fat people are going on vacation and eating all the food so that the skinny people don't have any food. But it seems like skinny people can't find food at all because this is all I hear from skinny people. Oh, I was at a resort and there was timing windows and I could only get one plate of food and there was like never anything around. But the fat people, there's food all around. The skinny people, there's no food around. It's like a food desert. And then the the, the husky people, there's just overwhelming amounts of food. So do all the husky people, are they all going on cruises and planning their vacation around buffets? And then the other people are going to third world countries, the, the, the skinny guys? It doesn't make any sense. Um, that's week two. So you're in a different environment. You're more liable to go to, you know, you know, go back to some of those bad habits that have been formed. Um, and it's generally a mess. So you get through week two and then you're back and back training, right? I only missed one week. You're just out of it. So my, the, you're still in vacation mode. Oh, I'm so tired because you're traveling and your sleep is interrupted well, we just shit away another workout. So Monday's fucking toast because all it is is checking an attendance box. So they're not into it. They're pissed off because they took one week off and now everything is heavy because they didn't do anything during the time that they were there. And then you have the the post scale get on the scale. Get on the scale. And then it's like, man, you know what's gonna happen. And then the husky people are like, oh, my God, how did I gain four pounds? And then the skinny people are like, oh, my God, how did I lose two pounds, three pounds? And it's like, come on, man, you know. It's almost like it's rehearsed. They're like, all right, I'm going to come in. I'm going to be a fatty. All right. And I'm going to sell it real good. I'm going to put this look of shock on on the face. And, and every time it's just annoying. So week three is, oh, my God. And but what has happened is they come back because they haven't been training they can't lift as much weight. They're, it, I, it's a whole bunch of us fighting because everybody didn't maintain what they did in their vac. It's another lost week. And then after those three weeks, now they reacclimated. They're on a different cycle than the rest of the people that didn't go on vacation. So that means they're not peaking at the right time and they're not downloading at the right time. And everything just gets fucked. It's a three-week blast so when you take one week vacation it is really three weeks you have now taken three of my 12 weeks and now you have came 75 percent of the time and you are going to get 75 percent of your result now that's most cases now my elites were sitting there and they are like ned i went to the gym they got a squat rack and they have dumbbells up to 90 pounds and they go on the remote and they're smart and they remember shit and they make some audibles and they get quality lifts in. And because they're, you know, awesome individuals, they didn't skip the last workout. So they trained all the way up to the day. They were like adults and did all their prep for their vacation on all of the time that they have because it's summer and you have a whole bunch of time. And they're like, walk around and do everything the right way. And because they lifted and because they eat the best that they can. And plan it out because that's why they're 
so great and or all over my Graham story features for like years is because you can get around this. So when my elite guy goes on vacation, I'm fine. I'm actually okay with it. It's everybody else. So it is not one week. And then you get, once you're getting into two weeks, I just told you, we just yacked out three weeks out of 12. You go on another vacation. That's another three weeks. Now you're spending six of your 12 weeks. Um, not not getting to where you need to go and you've lost half of your summer so the only thing that pisses me off more than a one-week vacation is two one-week vacations at two different times which typically come uh earlier in the summer and then good old august 7th uh and then they which throws off their peak and then you know, then they come back and then it's like, then they'll, it's all oh, and that it's my last week. So you took a vacation and then your third death week is your last week because your last week that you have to prepare for it all over again and reacclimate. And then you're not locked in because you're going to college in four days and then you're, then you're screwed. So, um, vacations are, are evil. Yeah, it really, they're just, uh, it's a selfish endeavor, is what it is. That said, I did go on vacation one time when I was working out with you, uh, when I went over to, to Colorado. Uh, but I did my my cardio training at altitude, and that was an experience and a half. Uh, so that really sucked. But uh wasn't the worst thing in the world, I guess. Uh, but yeah. I think that's pretty much it for this episode of the NES Experience. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, As promised last time, uh, we said this would be our first video episode. And lo and behold, it has been. So, sorry to to see uh, you had to see our ugly mugs, but it'll be more of a... uh, of a habitual thing for for the next uh, every other two weeks, I guess. Or every two weeks. But if yeah. you if you want to see Ned without a beard, uh, you would want to tune in because that Ned will not look like this until the girls win or boys football wins another state championship. So if you want to see uh, fat Charlie Brown Ned face, this is your perfect opportunity. I, I think they're New England championships, Ned. What did I say? Uh, you always call them state championships, but I believe they're New England championships because they're in the the prep school league. All right. Yeah. Whatever. New England championships and state because I trained prep school and public school, New England championships and state championships. Sorry. All right. All right. All right. Well, we will see you guys in two weeks. It's the NES experience. (laughs) 